Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Tuesday edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. That's right, Brady is back with the Bucks. Two practices in a row now. Bailey Adams joins me. What's your reaction, Bailey? I'm Scott Reynolds, by the way, your host today. And alongside me is fellow Peter reporter, Bailey Adams. You're out there at practice today. You got to see Tom Brady live and in person. He's back, is he not? Good to have him back. I think for, what was it, about 11 days, things were a little weird. I mean, I yes. think in the building, apparently everything was fine. And yeah. they, all, they all knew it was, it was all going on was fine. But it became a little bit of a story. Of course it did. You know, the mass Singer theories, just the, the different things that people were wondering about. Yeah. And then I think my whole thing the whole time was it's not a huge, huge deal until he doesn't show up after Tennessee. Right. And then he did. He was there. He was there Monday at practice. Everything's business as usual. We're back to normal. Yep. Back to normal. And uh, the, the Buccaneers have, have made officially the roster move of cutting Bug Howard, which is one of the best names in NFL history. Bug Howard. I've never heard of, of a player named Bug. I've heard of Porkchop. Porkchop Womack, who is a, a famous Mississippi State Bulldog offensive lineman. I think he played it for Seattle. That was probably my favorite name, Porkchop Womack. Bug Howard, it's up there with DeBrickishaw Ferguson, Porkchop Womack, and Bug Howard. Um, but RIP Bug Howard, no longer a Buccaneer. And the Buccaneers made some roster moves uh, that you probably read on pewterreport.com. If you did not, uh, shame on you because we had all the roster moves. Uh, the Buccaneers waived Vincent Smith, who has had kind of a rough week in Tennessee, dropping some passes. And, and then, of course, lost Aaron Stinney uh, out there on Saturday night. Uh, Stinney, you know, I've got to kind of correct the record a little bit, because Stinney, uh, I said, might have gotten the start at Dallas in week one. But I've kind of been told that was not the case. And, and the only reason I said that is because to this point, Luke Gedeke has just barely gotten into the starting lineup, and Nick Leverett hasn't done enough to distinguish himself. Then you throw in Brandon Walton, right? There's been a lot of guys they've been trying at left guard. Of course, Robert Hainsey was one of the first guys, but now he's playing center. But Stinney just, you know, he didn't really wow me at all. But as it turns out, there's he was not a lock to make the team, which I found interesting after the fact. But now Stinney's gone, and what it does, Bailey, is it, it really kind of tightens up the belt a little bit at left guard. You've got Leverett and you've got Gedeke now as really the two last men standing at the left guard position. It does surprise me to hear that he wasn't necessarily a lock to make the roster because at the very least, he felt like a very good depth piece to have. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl season. He stepped in for Alex Kappa at right guard, and it was just a seamless transition. He was he was fine. He helped the Bucs win the Super Bowl that year. Um, so, I mean, I thought, I thought losing him was a big deal, but like you said, it, it does tighten it up. And Todd Bowles said, uh, today that they don't, they haven't made a decision. They don't know who yet, who's even going to start, uh, in any Indianapolis this weekend. Although Luke Gedeke has been the guy getting a lot of the first team reps. He said he had good things to say about both of them. He's kind of keeping it close to the vest there as far as which guy is, is leading or which guy has the inside track to winning the job. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to, to see what will happen because I think, can you call Leverett, I guess, maybe more of a sure thing right now, but I think long-term you're going to see Gedeke get in there. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see how they play it. Yeah, exactly. And from what I understand, I think that, you know, and this is just informed opinion, maybe an educated guess, 
I, I think that that Luke Gedeke is going to end up being the starter in week one at this point because he is the future, as you mentioned. Todd Bowles is not shy about starting rookies. When he was the defensive coordinator alone and not the head coach back in 2019, remember he started Jamel Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting as rookies that year. Even Mike Edwards saw plenty of playing time as a rookie. Then you go into 2020, started Antoine Winfield Jr., who was a second-round pick, just like Luke Gedeke is. And, and, of course, the Buccaneers start Tristan Wirfs, a right tackle, but why wouldn't you start him? He's a freak. <laughs> He's a first-round pick and uh, and should have been a pro bowler as a rookie. He, he established himself right away as a dominant player in the league. But having said that, now that Todd Bowles is the head coach, I think that that he is going to start Luke Gedeke, unless the wheels fall off the wagon in Indy. But I, I think Gedeke is going to get a second start. He played great in the first quarter. Uh, he he ran into a little bit of a stumbling block in the second. He had two holding calls, one of which was very questionable, one of which was was kind of for real. There was also another uh, play where he did hold the guy where he was, I think it was Rashad White's run, uh, not the one that got called back, but one where he was a pulling guard. And he just, he gets his hands out a little too wide. He's got to get him inside. That was a concern. That was that was part of the, uh, of the tape at, at Central Michigan. You looked at it and say, that that's an area of concern. He gets his hands out wide and, and grabs the numbers right here on the shoulder pads of the defensive lineman a little too much. He's got to get his hands inside. You know, I there's been some question whether he gave up a sack or not. I think that the sack that that he was in on, he allowed six yards of penetration on a bull rush to collapse the pocket. That's never a good thing. Josh Wells lost his battle off the snap. That, that really put the pressure on Kyle Trask. And then Trask held on to the ball too long. So I think you, you can say Wells, Gedeke, and Trask all kind of combined for that sack because Trask did not have anywhere to step up because Gedeke got pushed back so far. But I think by and large, for a first start, not a bad sign for Gedeke out there against the Titans. Yeah, I, th- I thought he actually played pretty well. It was just a shame once those penalties kicked in because that will put a huge stain on your day. Yeah, I mean, he, he looked – no one would have probably had anything to say about him if it hadn't been for those few plays. And, and on the whole, he had a pretty nice day. And I think yeah. early on, early on, he, some of his reps even stood out. You're like, wow, you look at Gedeke in there. He's he's holding him off and he's doing well. So I, I would like to see him get the start again in, in, in Indianapolis. In yeah, Indianapolis I think he will. Is a tough thing to say. Um, but at the Colts on Saturday, I'd like to see him get the start and potentially play. I mean, if Tom Brady's back there, that's, that's one thing. I was actually talking to Josh Q a couple nights ago, um, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the offensive line and, and in a way how bad it looked on Saturday night against the Titans. Kyle Trask was holding the ball on, holding the ball for a while. Yes, he was. So, and, and, and when I went back and looked at the film, too, on some of those plays, he could have gotten the ball out of his hands quicker. On other plays, nobody was open either. Yeah. But he's got to make the decision to throw the ball away, to get outside the pocket, Right, it's like that that clock has got to go off a little faster in his head. Yeah, what Josh and I were talking about was kind of, you know, Brady's not going to hold on to the ball that long. Brady knows where he's going right. with the ball, and he'll get it out or he'll throw it away if he has to. So I'm curious to see if what what, what the offensive line as a whole, but also specifically Luke Gedeke, what he kind of looks like in front of Tom Brady. I agree, and it, it's one of those things that I, would, I I hope to see on Saturday night. Yeah, and the Trask apologists out there would say, well, I like to see what Kyle Trask looks like throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Julio hey, Jones, and Russell Gage, and that is fair, right? Uh, so we've got uh, some sad news to report here. We have an unsubscriber. 
Uh, yeah, after all your bull nonsense and pointless speculation about Brady, media is all the same. Trying to find some story where there is none. Unsubscribe. So rest in peace, WD, Tip, VR, who hung around long enough to let us know that he was going to unsubscribe. So I appreciate him holding out until he let us know that he was going to unsubscribe. So he, he hung in there as long as he could and then uh, shamed us by saying that this was a big non-story. And, you know, we were the only ones to report that Tom Brady had this mysterious absence. No other media outlet out there was covering this Brady thing with such nonsense as Peter reported, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it's the greatest quarterback of all time takes a break during training camp for 11 yeah. days. I don't know, like, do you just – nobody – we're not supposed to talk about it. We're not supposed to wonder. That's a little strange. Yeah. I mean – I think some people may have put more into it than it was, sure. Right. But I don't know how we're not supposed to report on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Leo, with a, a 199 Super Chat, we appreciate that, as we do all of our Super Chats. Uh, heard the Bucks O-line looks better with Brady. Tom Brady makes everything better. Not just the O-line. He makes the defense better. He makes the the equipment guys better. He makes everything better. So when he's back, everything's better. All is right with the world. Tom Brady is back. Now, let me ask you a question before we get into some kind of injury uh, updates uh, and such. And we'll have news on Tristan Wirfs and Chris Godwin and, and, and Keanu Neal as well. Uh, do you want to see Brady uh, play on Saturday? Do you want to see him with the starters? And, and if you want to see Brady and the starters, how, how much do you want to see them, if at all? It's an interesting question. It's Normally, I would say I don't want to see him at all. I don't need to see him. We didn't see him in the preseason in 2020 because there was no preseason. Right. And he was just fine. And that was before he had even taken a snap in this offense in a game. So that was fine. I normally would say no. Um, part of me wants to see, like I said, for the whole Gedeke reasoning in terms of, in terms of solidifying that offensive line in front of him. Yeah. Um, and just the fact that he has been gone for 11 days. At, the last couple of days, I mean, from, from all reports, and I was out there today, doesn't look like he's really missed anything, as yeah. I don't think anyone expected him to. But I think maybe you might want to see him in there for a drive or two. I don't, I don't know. I was earlier was talking with some of the other um, Peter reporters out there. I, I was first saying like I'd like to see the starters for a quarter or so, maybe. Right. But I don't think I don't think I would need to see Tom Brady for a whole quarter. Yeah. No, I, I I'm with you. I, I uh, at the same time, uh, I'd like to see uh, Kyle Trask a half. I'd like to see him get the. You know, I, I've already, I know I already, already put the nail in the coffin with Kyle <laughs> Trask with my two-point conversion column. Uh, let me clarify that, too. When I said the, the Trask experiment is over, what I meant by that is, is him being a potential starter in 2023. He has not outperformed Blaine Gabbert, and I'm not saying that as the conductor of the Blaine train. I'm saying that strictly just with without bias because Kyle Trask has – has had his share of, of turnovers and and there's just something about him. I was on the around the NFL podcast and I was kind of you know talking about Gabbert and he he just this team wanted him to be Brad Johnson and maybe he gets there at some point in time right a pocket passer who distributes the ball to a bunch of star players and and can get get the the job done from that perspective where he doesn't have to be the star of the show he doesn't have to be Carl Malone, he can be John Stockton and just kind of distribute the ball. I'm, that's an old school 80s basketball reference there. But I think most of you get it. I think where Kyle Trask is now is he's a little bit closer to Trent Dilfer. Dilfer was one of those guys, whether it was his fault or not, bad things happened. Right? It's like 
he had a little bit of a black cloud around him. And go back and look at the Tennessee Titans game, for example, right? So he he fumbled the ball once, and it's because he, he didn't have the pocket awareness to kind of slide and move in the pocket. That's one thing that Tom Brady does so well. He slides and moves around the pocket. And and he kind of stood there and, and let a defensive lineman got close enough to him, and, and then the ball gets punched out. And then he goes and scrambles for it, and then he gets drilled in the back really hard. And I felt bad for Trask. I was like, hey, that's, that, that's a nasty shot to the ribs. Insult to injury. Exactly. And and then, you know, he's he's getting ready to throw the ball to Jalen Darden, and then there's a little bit of pressure in his face. The ball kind of – he gets hit as he throws. The ball flutters. Joe Jones, who had a cup of coffee in Tampa, picks off the pass, and that's another uh, turnover, right? And And – you just want to see cleaner play from Kyle Trask and and not to be a K-State homer at all. I'm taking off my purple glasses right now. Skylar Thompson, not only did he look good against the Buccaneers, and he's the seventh-round draft pick out of Kansas State for the Miami Dolphins, not only did he look good in playing a clean game against the Buccaneers in week one of the preseason, he was like 9 of 10 for 129 yards and another touchdown and no turnovers. And Tyler Huntley's another one out of Baltimore. There's there's plenty of quarterbacks out there that are playing really, really clean games without the turnovers, without the miscues. And it just there's something Dilfer-esque about Kyle Trask that I don't want that to happen to him. I don't want that 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 moniker to be on him, but it is right now. And I don't see how you know how how Jason Light or Ty Bowles can sit there and look at what Kyle Trask has done so far and say, yeah. He's a guy that when Tom Brady ends up moving on, retiring, whatever, in 2023, that we feel he could come in and step in and compete for the starting job because he hadn't even won the backup job yet, uh, Bailey. Yeah, that's that's where you kind of feel like Brady's absence was almost a blessing in disguise in a way is that it gave everyone a chance to see and it gave both Gabbert and Trask that platform to see if either one of them was going to separate as the, as the backup quarterback. And like you said, I mean, it, it hasn't been – we saw some really good moments from Trask against Miami, not really any, maybe one against Tennessee, and he just hasn't done enough to unseat Gabbert as the number two. And, yeah, I mean, it makes you kind of wonder, life after Tom Brady, you're going to have to at least find another option to to step in and, and at least compete with Trask. Because Trask, you can't just say, yeah, he's the guy after Brady. Um, it, you know, he another year, I don't know what, what it will really do, do for him. It's – it's kind of hard to imagine because, I mean, especially in high school and college, it took him a while. He, he got up yeah. to speed and he eventually starred in both places, um, especially at Florida in his senior season. But I don't know if you really can give him that kind of time in the NFL. And I don't think, I mean, going into next year will be year three of his contract out of four. Right. So I don't know that you're really feeling like, yeah, this is our guy for the future. And especially because I think he came out of college a little older too. So, I mean, I don't know by – by the time he would maybe start next year, it would be 20, 25, 26, I think. Yeah. So it's just not really like it just doesn't feel like it's in the cards right now. Things can change, of course, um, but it doesn't really feel like right now that Trask is that guy. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, of course, uh, Tony Saylor points out uh, Dill forgot a Super Bowl ring, but <laughs> I was at that game. I, that game was actually in Tampa. The Ravens beating the the Kerry Collins-led New York Giants. And Trent Dilfer had very little to do with that Super Bowl ring. He, uh, it was pretty much the the Ravens defense, but everybody knows that. So uh, we we have a you know a couple uh, comments here. Let Trask play the whole game. In my opinion, uh, I would say the one thing that Kyle Trask probably does need 
to to really elevate his game uh, above Blaine Gabbert, if it's possible, if he can mount a late charge right now, uh, Bailey, and and that's just Celsius. I mean, if you if you think about it, Celsius just does wonders for everybody, and and I I, I love Celsius. I'm a little under the weather right now. I came back from Nashville with a little bit of a cold, and and this is not clinically proven. There's no scientific basis from this. This is just my own personal experience. I literally drink Celsius and I feel better. Okay, uh, maybe it's the seven essential vitamins. Maybe it's the energy that I'm getting without the the sugar crash because there's no sugar and there's no preservatives. Maybe it's the amazing flavor that just gets me in a good mood and and, and lets me forget about my cold. Uh, regardless, I had an orange today. It's an afternoon. So I, I decided I'm not feeling too good. I need a little bit more of a pick me up. I'm rocking the cola flavor. It's a great change of pace. So Celsius has got a ton of fruit flavors to enjoy. And you can also vibe with the, the new Arctic vibe, the tropical vibe, the peach vibe. They all have, again, no preservatives, no sugar. So there's no sugar crash. You get all the energy you need. And you get the great taste. So where can you find Celsius? Well, go on to Celsius.com, click on the store lo locator, put in your address. You'll find all these sports and, and health and, nutri and nutrition uh, stores that pop up, grocery stores, convenience stores. Go grab some cans. Try them. Find out your favorite flavors. And then order them online at Amazon. Use the subscribe and save option to save some money. They'll ship them right to you. That way you never run out of Celsius. Here's, about your local bodegas. Uh, as Matt, uh, Matt Terry would say, yes. This is the cola flavored. It, it is fantastic. It's a great change up for the, the afternoon. Uh, we do appreciate Adam Davies reminding us and, and everybody to uh, hit the like button on our pewterreport.com, or I should say Pewter Report TV, uh, uh, podcasts, clips, interviews, videos that we take out of practice. All of that stuff helps us get in front of more pewter people and we love the pewter people. We love the pewter people so much. We're actually going to do roll call. We haven't done roll call in so long. We feel like we've cheated you fans without roll call because we have not had a Monday podcast because the Bucks schedule, the way we've kind of designed our, our podcast schedule, we do three during the week and then we do one during uh, the, the post game, which is going to come up Saturday night. And so we're going to, it's a Tuesday. We're going to do roll call today and we're going to do it at 420, which is our, our standard time. So in about a minute, I'm going to give you the floor, Bailey, and you're just going to pontificate and educate us about whatever's on your mind, Tampa Bay Buccaneer related. So, but in the meantime, make sure that you go to Pewter Report TV, hit that that uh, subscribe button. We're over 9,000 subscribers now, thanks to you awesome pewter people. And make sure to hit the like button on this. So we really appreciate that. Let's go real quick before we do the uh, the roll call. Let's talk about some of the injury news. You were out of practice today, Bailey, and and we got some updates on some of the injured Buccaneers. Yes, we did. Um, first was asked about uh, Tristan Wirfs. Todd Bowles was, and he um, sounds pretty pretty positive about where Tristan Wirfs is in his recovery. He says he's heard he's on schedule. He doesn't have any concerns as of right now about him missing Week One against Dallas, and I think everyone's breathing a, a deep sigh of relief because everyone remembers what happened the last time the Bucks were without Tristan Wirfs. So as long as he you know, stays on track and, and comes back for that Cowboys game, all will be well for the offensive line, uh, especially on the right side. Uh, the other one that was uh, updated was Keanu Neal, who suffered his injury last week in the, um, in the joint practices against the Titans. Uh, it leaves an arm injury and Bulls said he as well will, will, you know, it seems to be on track and, 
he should be ready to go for week one. So two positive pieces of news uh, on the injury front for the Bucks after, you know, a, a little bit of a, a streak of, of bad news, I guess you could say. Um, on the other side, too, uh, again, for the second day in a row, we saw Mike Evans back at practice. Um, he was back and, and running full speed, looking like himself again. Uh, Chris Godwin was once again participating in team drills while wearing a non no-contact jersey. Yesterday it was a black no-contact jersey. Today it was one of like the creamsicle orange ones. Um, and then Brashad Perriman was back at practice today. So um, Brashad Perriman faces an uphill battle to make the team. Um, and I, I think there, there was talk today of um, Todd Bull saying that he will have to play special teams, and that he has played special teams. So if he's going to mix in and make this roster, he'll, uh, he'll need to play special teams. Scott, you might be muted. I am muted. There we go. Thank you, okay. Bailey. <laughs> yes, uh, we're going to do a roll call now. And Bailey, it's the, the floor is yours for about two minutes. Buck fans, what we want you to do is, as Bailey is, is educating us and entertaining us about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm going to be putting up on the screen your locations. Where are you listening or watching this podcast from? So here we go with our roll call. Where are you at, pewter people? Um, so yeah, out of out of uh, practice today, uh, talking to Todd Bowles, Antoine Winfield Jr., and Logan Ryan. The the big topic was Antoine Winfield Jr. and his transition and adjustment playing in the slot. Um, and you know everyone had some something to say about it. Todd Bowles said there's some nuances to it that he's learning. Um, and I think it was Logan Ryan who said that that nickel position isn't one that you learn a lot of in college. So it's kind of it's up to Winfield's kind of learning that as he's going. And I know there's been some question about, you know, he's, he's a little bit smaller. He's a little bit more compact of a player, but he's physical and he can play the position. Um, Antoine's very excited about it. He was talking about how it's, you know, he gets to see more action up there rather than playing in kind of his center field spot. And speaking of that center field spot, Keanu, uh, not Keanu Neal, Logan Ryan was talking about how while he's helping Antoine Winfield Jr. in the slot and kind of learn that nickel position, Antoine's been helping him kind of with some of the, the nuances of that, that center field position um, because Logan Ryan said, he's, I've only been doing this for a couple of years. So we're kind of leaning on each other with both of these positions. And uh, it gives Todd Bowles options of where he can play uh, his defensive backs. The other note on Logan Ryan was um, we got a little bit of a surprise today where he was, uh, he started his press conference with a little dog in his lap. It was a, a shelter dog from the humane society. He was promoting, um, his uh, both the Humane Society of Tampa Bay and also his um, his own charity, and it was a, a nice a nice moment to have the dog in his lap after, after a couple minutes. Cool. After a couple minutes, the dog was was ready to get out of there, so he yeah. let the dog get down and, and went about his business. But so he let the dogs out. We finally found out who let the dogs out, <laughs> and it was actually Logan Ryan. It was Logan Ryan. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's good stuff. We appreciate everybody here. Uh, we'll get a couple more in here. Uh, a lot of. A lot of outside the state of Florida. That's cool. We actually had a Bulgaria for the first time. We've, we've had the UK and Scotland and Australia. We've had some great continents uh, represented here, countries as well. And and uh, I, I know that, that Bulgaria is not a continent. It's a country. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, very cool that uh, we're getting representation from all over the globe and even Japan. There we go. Zachary's over in Japan. So we appreciate awesome. that. That is awesome. So, uh, I, I think that that when you look at, uh, at at this Titans game, it was not fun to watch. Maybe that's why I got sick. It wasn't sick to my stomach, but I kind of was a little bit. I love a good defensive struggle as much as anybody. 
but this was a struggle offensively for the Buccaneers. There was not a lot happening that was good. And, and I think what, what that does is that puts the onus on a lot of the players because these these young wide receivers we've been talking about, the Devin Tompkins, who had a, did, did have a nice catch in the game, the Jalen Dardens, the uh, uh, Kalen Geigers, the Jareth Stearns, they really showed up in that first preseason game, were kind of absent in, in this second preseason game against the Titans. And that's going to be the topic of our conversations tomorrow. So make sure that you join us. Which bucks on the bubble do you keep? So we're each going to be picking three players. Myself, Matt Matera, and Casey Hutz are going to be picking some players that are on the bubble that we would definitely put on the 53. So, Bailey, you're not going to be joining us tomorrow. I'm putting you on the spot right here. But are there any names that that come to mind for you that that you're going to get on the table and and tell Todd Bowles and Jason Light, I'm going to stand at the table for for this guy or guys anybody that that you really feel based on the two preseason games in which you've seen a camp so far have earned a spot on the 53. so three came to mind and i'm not on the spot here i'm trying not to i'm trying to go through the math in my head about how many each position they'll keep so the one is devin Tompkins, the guy you just mentioned i think he's been one of the more consistent of those undrafted rookie wide receivers he's been able to show that he can do a variety of things i think he can chip in on special teams and I, I like what he's been able to do. I think he might make it, and he could be that wide receiver seven. Um, another one is Nolan Turner, who yeah. I think has had a consistent camp, you know, all all the last month or so. He and then he was another player that was talked about a lot today. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr. was talking about how quickly Nolan Turner has picked up the defense and and what he's been able to do. Um, I think it was also Winfield who shouted out Nolan Turner's ability to wrap the lyrics uh, to a Biggie Small song when the rookies did their, <laughs> their singing, uh, their karaoke on the bus uh, last week in Tennessee. He was very imp- impressed by that. Right, and then the third as he one, should be. Yeah. And the third one, I would say, and I don't even know if he's on the bubble anymore, is how, how good he's been, is Olakunle Fadukasi. Yeah. If I said that right. You did. Um, he's, been, he's been phenomenal. And yes. he, I think he was the, the star of the day on Saturday night in Tennessee. And he's been consistently better, especially when he's been on the field for one. Grant yeah. Stewart hasn't necessarily been out there constantly. He's been he's been banged up, but Fadukasi's been been consistent. He's been the guy who I think is going to slide right in there in that inside linebacker uh, three or four role. I know I know Britt has been getting a lot of the love throughout the offseason, but yeah. he's he's looked and I think Fadukasi's been better uh, throughout the preseason than even Britt has been. I agree. And they do like Britt because he knows the defense. But I'm, I'm telling you, I really thought that against the Tennessee Titans, when you have, you know, when you've got a lot of two tight end sets and, and a team that whose identity is running the ball, Bailey, that 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 would have been a game where Britt really just shows up in the stat sheet where he gets six or seven tackles. And he was out there for a good part of it. But J.J. Uh, Russell, I think, had seven or eight tackles, and then you had nine for Fadokasi, who led the way, plus a sack and a half in that game, one of which was set up by a great rush by uh, Joe Tryon Shoenka, who, when he was out there, in my opinion, JTS was the best player on the field in terms of talent. Uh, I thought he had some great rushes on Malik Willis. When I was talking to Pat O'Connor after the game, he said, man, because O'Connor, had, who had a sack in, in the first preseason game, had shared a sack with Deidre Sanat. And he said, man, that guy is slippery. I mean, Malik Willis was. He he was a guy that that 
that uh, did not impress me in practice very much as a passer, but kept the play alive long enough in the game to make some good throws. Almost got tackled for a safety by Carl Nassib at one point before he went out there and converted a third down uh, to to get a first down for the Titans. And I'm telling you, uh, for JTS to go out there, for Fadokasi to go out there and get some pressure and actually touch the guy, much less get a sack as Fadokasi did, that really says something. And you know, this is the second game in a row where Fadokasi has led the team in tackles. And I asked Todd Bowles about that at the end of the game. He didn't want to tip his hand, but he said, yeah, he's he's showing up. He's flashing. And how can you not keep this guy? It's going to be interesting to see, Bailey, if they keep five inside linebackers because they did last year. Kevin Minter was the number three behind Devin White and Levante David. Then you had K.J. Britt, who was a rookie, as was Grant Stewart. Now you've got, obviously, Devin, you've got David, you've got K.J. Britt as your number three. Are they going to keep five, Fadokasi and Stewart? By the looks of how poorly they covered, especially the punts, maybe you have to keep five because Stewart is that good in special teams. You might have to. I think that's it was definitely where Stewart brought a lot of value last year, and I think he's one of those guys who's been talked about as he could be a Pro Bowl special teamer. And so if you're struggling like that to cover punts, do you want to let a guy like that just walk out the door? It's it's going to be a numbers game, I think, with each position, and I don't envy them making the decisions to cut it down to 53 yeah. and have the right breakdown at each position. But I would almost lean toward maybe potentially having to keep five at this point. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that's the case. I, I think that, that it's going to be a situation where they're going to have to look at special teams and really make some tough decisions. And maybe Fadokasi ends up sticking because he's just going to be good on defense, but at the same time, and he's also a factor in special teams. It's not like he's bad on special teams. It's just that Stewart is kind of special on special teams. The problem is with Stewart, and this is where it puts him in a little bit of jeopardy, is you can't make the, the club in the tub. And if you remember last year, he had the elbow injury. Then he had a hip injury at the end of the season, which caused him to miss the OTAs because he had hip surgery. Then he had a hamstring that flared up in training camp. And then it flared up again in the first quarter of that Dolphins game that kept him out of the rest of the game. It kept him out of the Titans game. So now you see a guy who's undersized and is not very good. I'm going to go ahead and say it. he's a liability on defense. That, that's just not my opinion. That's that that's an opinion that is out there. Others share that opinion. And but on special teams, the guy is special. On fourth downs, he's special. So it, does that warrant keeping him? And and if it does, maybe he's number fifty three on the roster. But he can't help you in special teams if he's inactive because he's hurt. Right, and that's that's where it is is going to have to come down to it. And they, I think they're hopefully they're probably going to have to hope that on Saturday against the Colts some more guys step up and some other guys flash and show that they have an ability to contribute on special teams to where maybe letting him go wouldn't hurt so much. It wouldn't be such a big, uh, it wouldn't feel like such a loss. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I guess like you said, it's hard to, for it to feel like a loss when he's not on the field anyway, but when he's on the field, he's just that important to the special teams operation that, you know, if, if he can get healthy and stay healthy, he could be a, a huge piece. Yeah. So there's been some some questions and comments here in our chat that I want to kind of get to. Mark Fisher, longtime Peter Report uh, reader, uh, asks, "What are Tyler Johnson's chances of making the team? Do you think he's been cr- he's been critical, but you know he's he's been playing well? The thing with Tyler Johnson is, and, and I'll go ahead and give you my list, and I want to see how see what you think of this. I wrote about this in the Bucks Monday Mailbag yesterday, 
when I was asked, where does the wide receiver depth chart shake out? Well, you got the fantastic four, right? That's what I'm calling Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, and Julio Jones. Julio Jones is the best number four receiver in the league. So the Bucs got a steal there. So there's the fantastic four. Then do you keep six or seven, right? So it's either two or three more spots. I think because of special teams value, I think that they're going to keep seven. And here's why. I think Jalen Darden's going to end up being the punt return guy and maybe the kick return guy. I liked what I saw out of Rashad White after bashing him after the very first preseason game saying, here's Keith Armstrong again, trying to manufacture a kick returner out of a running back. We saw it last year, failed miserably with Keyshawn Vaughn, who actually looked very good running the ball in the second half against the Titans. Maybe it's just going home to Nashville because he played at Vanderbilt. But Bailey, I, I think that that Tyler Johnson's done enough. He's shown enough ability to separate, enough catching the ball consistently across the middle. He pr- provides the team with a bigger body. So now you've got Evans, you've got Julio Jones, you've got Chris Godwin. I'm going to call a big body, 6'1", 205, 210. He plays bigger than he is. Then you've got Tyler Johnson. That's four big-bodied receivers that have large catch radiuses and that can get things done out of the slot or outside. Then you've got Russell Gage, who is a smaller guy. And then the other two receivers, I think that they keep for the, to make seven, are Jalen Darden, who has looked night and day better once the pads have come on in camp and in the preseason. And I think they keep Devin Tompkins. I think that that's seven. So if something happens to Darden, Tompkins being on the roster allows him to step in and maybe field punts can help out in kick returns if Rashad White doesn't get the job. But more importantly, Bailey, we know that Julio Jones has had hamstring issues. So even though he's on the roster and fingers crossed he's looked well enough and they've given him ample time to to rest during training camp, no hamstring injuries yet, all of a sudden, if, if the hamstring flares up and he's out for a couple of weeks, if you keep six, now you're down to five. So I think they keep seven just as a backup plan in case Julio's hamstrings don't last. And in case something happens to Jalen Darden, whether it's performance or injury, they have Devin Tompkins on the team in a game situation where he can step in as as a return specialist if if necessary. What's your reaction to that? I'm in full agreement. I I read that in, in the Monday mailbag, and it was exactly how I think it should and probably will play out as of right now. I thought there was moments where Scotty Miller looked like he was making his case. He hasn't done enough in the preseason games, and I just don't think overall his whole body of work, at least this offseason, hasn't been that of someone that's going to make the team over those yeah. other three guys. Tyler Johnson and I was talking, we were out of practice today, and it was kind of a practice where they were indoors, and it was kind of more of just like a, a – kind of a whatever practice. It was just like they're they're going through some some prep stuff and uh, for Saturday, and it wasn't like a full speed. It wasn't those wow plays you would see throughout earlier in training camp. It was more of a, a relaxed feel. So I'm talk, sitting there talking with with Casey Hudson and our intern Sly uh, from Pewter Report, and I said Sly getting a shout out on the podcast. I haven't. I that, haven't that just had, made his day right there. <laughs> I hope it did. Um, I have been. I think we've been Pewter Report three or four months now, and I've already had a take age pretty poorly. And that's when we did our roundtable of who was going to be like the big surprise cut. Yeah, I call. I said it was going to be Tyler Johnson. I just didn't yeah. see him making the team, and. Ever since I wrote that, he's been phenomenal. I mean, he's he's submitted yeah. himself. He's the he's the number five wide receiver. Yeah. And we were also sitting there, and I, I we were watching Devin Tompkins, and I said, I think Tompkins is making their, this team. And they both agreed. They're like, yeah, I think I think he's he's done enough. So, yeah, those three rounding out the wide receiver room 
feels about right. Yeah, uh, we always pre uh, appreciate uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, we don't appreciate the communism, but we do appreciate his Bucks takes. I think Tyler has been very much improved this preseason. He had much promise coming out of season one. Don't know what happened in season two. I agree. I mean, he looked pretty good as a rookie last year. He just never kind of got that momentum going after he showed up to, to training camp a little bit overweight. It just You didn't see the separation, the yards after catch. That 22-yard catch and run he made against the Dolphins was like, where did that come from, right? Uh, it, yeah. That was that was a, a beautiful play, and, and he did a couple of those, those uh, had a couple of those plays in practice as well. Uh, so, again, we appreciate uh, Xi Jinping for the Bucks commentary. Uh, we do not appreciate the communism. But I will say this. Cyril Grayson really has been a player that has just kind of gone by the wayside. I mean, he, you know, he's, I'm, I'm just curious, like what's happened to Cyril Grayson? Because this was a player that really came on. I was super excited to see him this training camp. And at least with Brashad Perriman, you can say, okay, Perriman, he's been injured. He's had a hamstring, but where has Cyril Grayson gone? Yeah, I think Grayson right now, I believe, is banged up a little bit. But even early on when he was fully healthy, it seemed like he was just kind of falling behind. He fell behind yeah. the rest. I mean, it was you could look at most of the wide receivers out there and that some of the guys, the guys we mentioned, but also guys like Jarrah Stearns, uh, Kalen Geiger, like I said, Scotty Miller. Yeah. They all have had their moments here and there and actually pretty consistently for most of them. Cyril Grayson just hasn't flashed. And it's yeah. kind of surprising considering the way he came on strong at the end of last year because yeah. you kind of expected – in this competition, he might separate himself as one of those five, number five or six guys, but he mm -hmm. hasn't. I, th I think there's a chance that Grayson, Perryman, and Kalen Geiger, I think those are the three receivers that have the best chance of sticking on the practice squad. Uh, Grayson, just because he hasn't done enough to distinguish himself, he's also like 28 years old. Perryman, when you look at it, before he came back to Tampa, Perryman was cut by the Lions, cut by the Jets, I just don't think that he has any more, uh, you know, uh, NFL uh, lead way to go. I, I don't think that there's teams out there that are salivating to get Rashad Perriman, uh, you know, off the waiver wire or whatever. I, I think that he comes back to Tampa as one of those veterans you put in the practice squad. And then the other guy's Kalen Geiger. I, I think he's done more than Jareth Stearns. I like Stearns a lot as, as a as a player, but he just the speed when you when you see. Devin Tompkins and Kalen Geiger and their ability to start, stop, and their acceleration, their speed, their quickness, it's just different than Jareth Stearns. He just doesn't have it. So I, I think that that Perryman, Geiger, and and uh, Grayson end up being the, the three practice squad wide receivers. And he, I, asked, I think I said this. It might have been when uh, JC and I hosted a Twitter space on Saturday. It was uh, either that or it was another time. I was talking to somebody about how it's just going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out and yeah. to be able to see how see they can keep as many as they can. Like they have a lot of talented wide receivers to choose from. And so if they can keep seven total on the, on the 53 yeah. and then keep three guys and stash those guys in the practice squad, I think that's probably the best case scenario. Yeah. And I think what, what the best case scenario for Saturday's game is, of course it was, it's a road game. I was there in Tennessee with Josh Capo. It was great being in a Nissan stadium, which is kind of a carbon copy of Raymond James stadium. I mean, there's very, a lot of similarities physically about how that stadium looks. Um, th the game though was, was awful. It was void outside of a couple of, of good sacks and, and a good first quarter by guys like JTS and, and Farukasi, but it really was, was kind of void of big plays. And I found myself really jonesing for a beer. And that's the one thing that's bad about covering this team 
in, in the press box, whether it's in Tampa or whether it's in opposing stadiums, is just there's no beer. And the beer that I was craving, of course, was Pirate Republic. It's the official beer of Pewter Report. Tony Saylor earlier in the chat was saying that he was downing them left and right uh, on Saturday watching the Bucks games. And, and that's what I'm going to be doing because I'm going to be home this Saturday watching it on television. Not going to Indy. I love Indy, but I'm going to be uh, parked uh, on the couch, laptop, fired up, and, and a beer in hand. And the, the beer that I want to talk about today, they're, they're, of course, there's three that you can choose from here in the Tampa Bay area. The Long John Pilsner, the Take No Quarter IPA, which I am not an IPA fan, and I love Take No Quarter. It is making me an IPA fan. It's the best IPA you're going to drink. But the Gold and Haze of Piracy, the Belgian wheat beer, Let's talk about this for a second. 4.6 ABV, malted barley and wheat together with Belgian yeast create a golden haze, while coriander and orange peel are added to the boil to accentuate a lively, sweet citrus flavor. And it's hard to pick favorites, but right now this is my current favorite. And I'm going to tell you why, because I'm not going to name any other brands, but I'm going to do a little show and tell right here. And yes, I do get to drink beer on the show because... Pirate Republic is the official beer, Peter Report. Um, this is one of the, the best tasting beers that you're going to have. And the best part about it is you take an orange and you drop it right in. And it is an absolute treat to drink. And yes, I didn't pour that very well. It's too much foam, but who cares? <laughs> it's good. Mm. It's good. Yeah. It is. You, you take the Pirate Republic. Golden Haze of Piracy with an orange, and it is an absolute treat. Uh, so highly recommend Pirate Republic. Uh, live, live life on your terms. Live life like a pirate. You're all Peter Pirate people out there, so drink Pirate Republic beer. It only makes sense. It's the best tasting beer you're going to have. Where can you find it? Participating Total Wine and More, ABC Liquors, Lucan's Liquors, and Party Liquors. So you can check out Pirate Republic. Tell them Peter Report sent you. All right, Bailey, so uh, things are looking up for the offensive line with the news about Tristan Wirfs. Uh, we think that that uh, when, you, when you look at the, the left guard situation, Lou Gedeke, I'm guessing, I, I think I know, but I'm guessing, is going to get the start there at, at left guard. The one thing that the, that the film showed us, though, from the Tennessee Titans game, was that Robert Hansey played some pretty damn good football, did he not? He did. He had a good game, and he was one of those guys that, um, I was, it stood out to me early on. And I think as the game went on, you're, you're kind of like, okay, it's early on in the game. They're not moving the ball very much. You know, it's just kind of one of those preseason feeling games. You were kind of expecting it to take off at some point. It never did. But one of the big positives that stood out to me was the play of Robert Hainsey. I think he's been steady. I think since, since Ryan Jensen's injury, Hainsey has stepped in and he's been uh, a guy that it's, it's someone asked Bulls today. He's kind of just been status quo and Bulls was like, well, I don't know if I'd say status quo. There's been a little bit of a learning curve and you know, there's, there's the moments that you're going to expect out of a guy just transitioned to center and is playing his first NFL action. But I think he's largely been a big positive and someone that as time goes on, I don't know that you're really gonna have to worry about him, which is a huge, a huge plus for the bucks, especially after losing a pro bowl guy like Ryan Jensen. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that the Buccaneers right now, they are, you know, they're, they're they're getting they've got some justification in terms of of developing Robert Hainsey and I know that that there's a lot of J C Treader fans out there because he got you know a hella good 
PFF grade last year, right, from from a pro football focus. But the team, when when, when they, they looked at, at the film, they were not enamored necessarily with J.C. Treader's play. And as I've always said, PFF, you got to take them with a grain of salt. They're not the Bible. I think they're good. They do a good job. I'm not going to slander PFF. But I don't agree with, with all other takes on, on particular players. And the, the one guy that I do trust when it comes to the offensive line is Jason Light. I trust his opinion. And this is a guy who went out and, and signed Ryan Jensen, who only played center one year in Baltimore, was kind of a basic, you know, an unknown kind of guy, made him the highest paid center in the league. He developed into a pro bowler and helped the Bucs win the Super Bowl. Right. So, I mean, I credit Jason Light, who was a former offensive lineman in college, for his his acumen when it comes to finding these offensive linemen. Uh, Ali Marpet, right, out of Hobart College, turned into a Pro Bowl caliber player. And Donovan Smith, I mean, he, he was a Pro Bowler. Donovan Smith is a Pro Bowl caliber left tackle. I think Donovan Smith is playing the best football of his career this, this past year and into this training camp. He has looked phenomenal, Bailey. And, and Tristan Wirfs, I mean, the Bucks kind of lucked into getting Tristan Wirfs because, you know, they were a couple of offensive tackles drafted ahead of him. But credit Light for saying, we're going to trade up and get this guy, even one spot. And Alex Kappa was a player who was uh, at a little Humboldt State, a left tackle, transformed into a guard that got a huge payday. Uh, Aaron Stinney was a player that, even though he didn't have a great training camp this year, he was a great fill-in during the Super Bowl year, playing some critical games when Kappa was out. So when it comes to offensive linemen, if he thinks Robert Hainsey is worth a third-round pick out of at a Notre Dame and moving him to center, and he's the answer, I'm not going to doubt Jason Light because his track record at that position has been pretty damn good. Yeah, it definitely has. And I think going back to – the whole J.C. Treader thing—it's—it's it's saying that the Bucks didn't necessarily like his film. It's pretty obvious that there are quite a few teams that don't like his film. He's still out there, so there's—I mean, there's different circumstances. But there's got to be a reason for that. I mean, it's if he was this top top caliber player that everyone's making him out to be, I think he'd be on a team right now. Yeah. So I, I trust I trust Light. I trust what they what they've evaluated so far in the offensive line that they have. The depth will be interesting to see how it all works out, but. I think some of the concerns maybe are overblown. I think too, Bailey, and you might agree, if there's another injury that might prompt them to go outside of this organization. Brandon Walton has been a player that I've really liked inside a guard. I've not liked him as a tackle. He did not play well as a tackle in, in, in the, the Miami game, especially at left tackle. But I, I think that that he's a guard, he's a good find. I think he's played better than Stinney, and I think that's why he was put in the mix for several practices as the starting left guard because they wanted to see him in action, the practice squad player from a year ago. I'm not saying that he's going to make the team, but given the fact that you have two players now that that might have made this team, certainly Ryan Jensen was going to take up a roster spot, and and then you have uh, Aaron Stinney, uh, who's already on in your reserve, those are two guys that could have been out of the nine on, on the the final roster. Uh, those open up two spots now. I would not be shocked if Brandon Walton takes maybe that final spot on the offensive line just because he can play tackle in a pinch, but he's much better at guard as opposed to signing somebody who doesn't know the system, bringing them in, and you know sometimes free agency doesn't work well all the time. Right. 
Right, and Walton is a guy that, to me, kind of came out of nowhere. It was like going into training camp, it felt like this left guard competition was Stinney, it was Leverett, it was, I guess it was uh, also Hainsey at the time, yeah. and it was Luke Gedeke. And then you see early in training camp going out there with the ones is Brandon Walton. Yeah. And like, okay, well, he's in the mix too. And I think he has played far better inside than he did at tackle. But I think that if he has to play tackle, having that kind of versatility, that the Bucks love that. And yeah. I think any team would love that in your depth, guys, because you never know when an injury is going to pop up and when you're going to put someone in in a bind. And if they have – the more guys they have that can play different positions, it's it's obviously going to be better. And I think Walton is one of those guys who will be interesting to see if his name makes it on the final 53. Good question here from Tom. Any chance Tampa trades for Isaiah Wynn? I, I, I'm a big Georgia fan. Uh, Ashley's from Georgia. We watch a lot of Georgia Bulldogs football, one of my favorite teams to watch. Not as much as Kansas State or UCF, but I do keep an eye on the Bulldogs. They're fun, on defense especially, but also the running game. I loved Isaiah Wynn coming out, but he is a guard. He is not a tackle. I was shocked that the Patriots put him at left tackle. He's 6'2", 305. He is built like Shaq Mason. He should be playing at guard. It's not for his high cap number due to the fact he was a first-round pick. I'd be in favor of trading for him and moving him inside to guard. It's just that that's a lot of money for a player that has had some injuries, has not had a, a huge amount of success in New England, but I think it's more so because he's playing out of position. I think he's a natural guard, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Isaiah Wynn goes elsewhere and has some success if he's moved inside. He would be a player that, if not for that big cap number, I wouldn't be opposed to to acquiring. I think, it's, I think to me it's the big cap number and the fact that we're getting pretty close to the regular season. So it's a yeah. guy that would come into a system who hasn't played – next to Donovan Smith, he hasn't played in this offense. Right. Um, and, I mean, it might not take him too long to get up to speed and, and eventually be that guy. But, yeah, I mean, overall, it's it's the cap number, really, that, that yeah. kind of rules it out. Yeah, and, of course, we have the obligatory boo UCF from Josh Capo, who – this, uh, this guy won't leave me alone. I know he won't. I, I'm only putting it up there because Josh did a great job covering the Bucks uh, for, for Peter Report in Tennessee, both joint practices – the podcasts and and also the game, uh, otherwise charge on, right? Shall we say charge on, uh, folks? If if you're going to charge on, and I'm just trying to do like kind of a seamless transition here using that. I don't know how seamless it's going to end up being though. But if you're going to charge on uh, to to your retirement, see how did that charge on to retirement? I'm I'm working in the Muni Financial uh, read here. If you're going to charge on to your retirement, you got to let the people at Immunity Financial help you out because uh, they will help you plan ahead so you can stay ahead. At Immunity Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead, stay ahead. That's right, Bailey. We have to get to Colorado. I just got back from Tennessee, but Colorado sounds fun. It sounds like a great place to, to retire in as well. Maybe you want to retire to Florida or Colorado. Well, you need some help to get there. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services with 40 years of experience. Let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Immunity Financial today at 
6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. All right, Bailey. So th- this this Colts game coming up here, this will be your last podcast appearance for the week, I believe. Uh, what are you looking for? We already talked about maybe the starters and their playing time, but is it important for this team to get a win for momentum? I don't put a lot of stock in, in that. I think this is a veteran team now that they know how to win. <laughs> but yeah. back in the day, I think for the old Buccaneers, it, it, getting some wins like under Sam Weish and even Tony Dungy at the beginning, getting some wins in the in, in the preseason kind of built some momentum. I don't think the Bucs need to do that. But what do you think needs to happen on Saturday night for the Buccaneers to springboard in, into success against the Cowboys in week one? Todd Bowles was actually asked about whether or not, you know, he needs to get out there and get a win before the preseason wraps up. And he, he played it off. And was just, it's more about the chemistry. It's more about them gelling together as a team. What I really want to see after ten, the game against Tennessee is more of what we saw from the wide receivers against Miami. A little more separation, a little more, you know, get get them, get the big plays, just some of the offense moving forward a little bit more. You know, watching that, watching that offensive uh the offense just struggled to to get anything going. It felt like very much like a preseason game, unlike the Miami game. Miami game kind of felt like an actual game for a little bit. Um, but to see to see them kind of just sputter offensively, I like to see the offense, even if it's just the second and third team guys, and we don't see that much of the the first team. I would like to see the offense move the ball a little more. I'd like to see better punt coverage. I think is one of the things that you like to see, special teams wise. And really, I guess, in sticking with the special teams theme, I'm curious to see which guy separates himself in the kicking competition because we still don't really have an answer there. It was right. stuck up being the, the responsible for the lone points that the Bucks had yeah. on Saturday, and it was a and long kick. Was credit. Some range. Yeah, that 52-yarder, that really was a little bit of a feather in his cap because the knock on him has been Borgallis is the bigger leg, and that's going to be where maybe Borgallis has the – the opportunity to unseat him is if he can be proved to be the more accurate kicker with the bigger leg. But I think Suckup has been more accurate in practice. And uh, listen, I wouldn't mind seeing a bunch of field goals. As much as I want to see a more exciting game, let's have some big plays. But let's have some field goals. Let's let this be decided under the lights on the field. I'd love to see Borigalis have two or three opportunities and maybe one or two for Suckup. Extra points are great. Because especially in this day and age, it's almost like a field goal. But I, I I would like to see a lot of kicks because I want the Bucks to not just get the right guy for this year, but get the right guy for the future too. And and uh, I, I know that that in 2020, Jason Light made the right decision going with Ryan Suckup. The Bucks won the Super Bowl. You saw Suckup get this the single season franchise mark for points, 136. He beat Martin Gramatica's number. But then you've also seen Matt Gay, former fifth-round pick, develop into a, a Pro Bowl kicker for the Rams. And so I want to make sure that that Jose Borgales isn't going to be one of those guys who is, is going to go off and be a Pro Bowl kicker elsewhere because this franchise, Bailey, has had so much problems finding a good, reliable kicker. Suck up. He might be, he might be really good this year, but he's going to be 36 in September. Yeah. You have to imagine the team is rooting for Borgales to kind of separate himself. It's not only just for kind of the future aspect of it and kind of more of a long-term option and have that guy in there, but also if you can if you can cut if you can cut ties with Suckup, you get some of that money and yeah. you have a little bit more cap room to work with for any in-season acquisitions that you need to make. I think they just need to get to a point where they feel 
comfortable in doing that because suck up still could be in for this being a, a win now situation where they have to have a reliable kicker this year. They can't really roll the dice on it. They right. probably want to make for for sure makes make certain that they have somebody in Borgalis that can handle it and handle the pressure moments. And you know, we'll see if that we'll see if he gets a pressure moment on on Saturday against Indianapolis to kind of make up for that kick against Miami. Yeah. Well, you mentioned money in Indianapolis, and that brings me to my bookie, right? Double your first deposit using the promo code Pewter. Folks, if you've listened to enough Pewter Report podcasts, you know that my bookie usually has a pretty sweet deal where it's you get 50% of your initial deposit uh, back as a bonus. It's 100% now. It doesn't get any better than that. Winning season is officially returned. The NFL preseason is live, and there are plenty of opportunities to win at MyBookie. Whether you're a season better or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you got to do is sign up using the promo code Pewter on your first deposit, and you'll instantly double your money with MyBookie. It's simple. A $250 deposit puts $500 into your account. You can use the funds to bet on as many individual games, contests, or prop bets as you want. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use the MyBookie Prop Builder to give yourself an edge that you need to secure the bag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And I love MyBookie. I'm not just a pitch man for MyBookie. Bailey, I've been using MyBookie now. This is probably year five. And it's not my bookie's fault. I don't make the best bets. I don't always pick the winners, but I have a lot of fun doing it. Usually what I do is I put in some money at the beginning of the season. It lasts me all season. I bet college football. Uh, I even bet a little bit of hockey, but, uh, but the NFL, it's fun. So my bookie's the place to go for all of your action this fall. And we say fall, but really it's still summer and there's plenty of football. I mean, college football starts, what, next week? Saturday. This yeah. Saturday. There's, there's some games Saturday. this Saturday. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So as the show's winding down here, uh, any other news that came out of one Buccaneer place today? Uh, Tom Brady's back. All is right with the world. And did we have any inclination if Tom would play? Uh, Todd Bowles was was not really conclusive about that, was he? No, he wasn't. On, on Monday, he said they, they hadn't talked about how much the starters would play. He said the same thing today. They haven't met as a coaching staff to decide that. And I know he said earlier in the week on Monday that, it would just depend on what gets done in practice this week. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll eventually come out and say, yeah, he'll get a little bit of time. I, I wouldn't imagine it's going to be much if he plays at all. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, folks, make sure that you stay tuned to Pewter Report uh, tomorrow. We've got a, a great show on tap for you. I, my feeling is this is the best Pewter Report podcast we've ever done today, Bailey. So, congrats for being on the show with me today to achieve this high water mark. The good news is tomorrow at four o'clock Eastern, we've got a chance to beat this show. Which bucks on the bubble do you keep? I'll be on with, with Casey Hudson and Matt Matera tomorrow. Hopefully I'm feeling better enough to go to practice. I want these people, I don't like to be uh, just a little under the weather, but I don't like to be around people in the media or certainly the, the players and, and, and run the risk of getting them sick. So I'm th this pirate Republic uh, golden haze of piracy is making me feel better now. The Celsius worked earlier. I'm finishing up with this. It's I, I feel better already. So that bodes well for me going down there tomorrow. Uh, we appreciate everybody for having the, the the inclination to offer up a super chat today. That's always fun. 
And we also want to remind people, check out pewterreport.com. Our web traffic is going strong thanks to you, Pewter people. We've got tons of stories. Matt uh, Matera has got the latest Pat O'Connor training camp diary coming up tomorrow. Uh, we've got tons of coverage from today's practice. We'll be out there again tomorrow. Cliff Welch's amazing photos grace the, 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 the pewterreport.com website uh, all around. We've got a great staff of reporters that work hard for you. So make sure you're visiting pewterreport.com, checking out our stories, our columns, our editorials, our coverage. And, uh, and then also make sure you follow us on social media, at Peter Report on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. See how easy we made that? It's real simple, at Peter Report, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we always appreciate everybody for subscribing to the Peter Report TV YouTube channel. That's right. We have our own YouTube channel. Over 9,000 subscribers. Help us get to 10,000 Peter people. We love you guys. We do the show just for you. Hit the like button under videos. That helps us get out in front of more Peter people when they do searches for things like Bucks or Buccaneers or Tom Brady. And it helps grow our audience so we can educate, entertain, and inform more awesome Buck fans like yourself. So we greatly appreciate that. Folks, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about one of our newest advertising partners. And uh, just to end the show here, I, I cannot recommend them uh, more highly enough. Florida Lanai Curtains. Folks, this is one of the best home improvement investments I have made. And uh, I actually got the curtains before Florida Lanai Curtains became an advertiser here on the show. So that's how much I endorse them because we live in Florida because we love the warm weather. However, the two most common complaints about spending time outside of our Florida homes is the lack of privacy where homes are being built closer and closer to one another. And then of course, the brutal heat of the summer months. Lack of privacy and too much sun can drive you inside and keep you from enjoying your pool and your, your screened enclosures and your lanai's and outdoor spaces as much as you would like. This is where Florida lanai curtains comes in because they saw both of the problems with privacy on demand, patented outdoor privacy curtain system, and custom made screen enclosure shade sales. Their flexible installation options, high quality products give you the privacy and shade just where you need them. Privacy on demand outdoor curtains are made from the well known Sunbrella brand of marine canvas. That's what sold me on this high quality marine canvas. They've got a 10 year fade free warranty and are available in over 100 colors that's going to enhance the look and comfort of your outdoor space. The unique shade sails are made from a solar mesh, which also has got a 10-year warranty against degradation, and they're built to give you shade and UV protection for years to come. If you need privacy or shade, and you want more freedom to enjoy your outdoor spaces and keep the neighbors out, visit Florida Lanai Curtains website at lanaicurtains.com. To find out more about their amazing custom products and do your own hassle-free instant online estimate, give them a call. One, uh, that's uh, I'm sorry, 813-337-2511. That's 813-337-2511 to schedule a free in-home consultation. That's Florida Lanai Curtains at lanaicurtains.com. Great home investment. Wish I had done it years ago. The Buccaneers had wished that Tom Brady had come back days ago, but Tom is back. All is right with the world. And we appreciate everybody who tuned in to today's Pewter Report podcast. Good news is, in less than 24 hours, we're going to come right back at you with more Bucks coverage from training camp as training camp winds down on Wednesday for Wednesday's practice, uh, which will probably be outdoors unless it rains. It was indoors today, right, Bailey? Right. 
Yeah. Okay. So for Bailey Adams, I'm Scott Reynolds saying thank you, Pewter people, for tuning into another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. <laughs>